Yo, what's good? Top of the top, episode 221, Stash House Podcast. Your boy Tyler checking in. First time listeners, thank y'all for tuning in. If you tune in weekly, salute. And it's just an episode, some topics you may want to hear about. Salute to you as well. Like, share, subscribe, retweet. Whatever you do to help support the podcast, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Podcasts available on all podcast streaming platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Anywhere you find podcasts, you will find Stash House Podcasts available. Once again, retweet it, share it, putting your people on, subscribe, like this video on YouTube. Everything y'all do to help support this podcast, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Keep me going. And that's a great way to start this episode. I am celebrating my 30th birthday. So all praise to the Most High. Very, very blessed to see another year of life. Thanks in advance for all the birthday wishes. And I'm just enjoying it. I'm appreciating it. I appreciate being surrounded by family and friends I love that love me, vice versa. Uh, being blessed to be able to do what I enjoy doing, having a little change in my pocket, food on my stomach, uh, water to drink, just the small things I'm very, very appreciative of, my growth, and just all around just thankful. I mean, I can't really just tell y'all one by one. But just I'm just thankful to be able to be here. Like I said, doing what I enjoy doing, having common sense, just small things. I enjoy, I'm blessed. Once again, all praise to the Most High, and thank y'all for tuning in to this episode as I celebrate my birthday. Now, let's start this off. New music, Travis Scott, Utopia. Came on here a couple weeks ago, told y'all my little expectations I I got for it. Well, I, got high, I had high expectations, but... Y'all know I came over here a couple weeks ago and talked about what I'm looking forward to with this project. We finally got it. Travis Scott, Utopia, 19 tracks, along with a movie premiere. I'm not sure if it's in movie theaters around the world, but I saw he debuted a movie as well called Circus Maximus, which is also a name of a track on the project. I'm guessing it's like a short film, maybe, of Utopia, a visual aspect of things. I would love to see it just to get a better, a better vision of the project, but he also dropped the movie as well with the project. 19 tracks, a laundry list of features and production work on this project. Let's start with the features. We got Casey, Tizo Touchdown, Sanfa, Bon Iver, Drake, Playboy Cardi, Sheck West, Beyonce, Rob 49, 21 Savage, The Weeknd, Sway Lee, Young Lean, Young Thug, West Side Gun, some old guy that's listed on the track Love, uh, Bad Bunny, Future, and SZA. And for produ uh, production, the producers that worked on this project, Travis Scott, Metro Boomin, Mike Dean, Kanye West, The Alchemist, Guy Manuel of Daft Punk, Boy Wanda, Binks, James Blake, Wheezy, Wonder Girl, Alan Ritter, Justin Vernon, Tay Key, Coleman, Vinyls, Oz, and Jahan Sweet. So salute to everybody that worked on this project with Trav. Five years, I'll say in the making since we got Astroworld. I'm not sure how long he's been working on this project, but it's been five years since Astroworld. We finally got Utopia, so let's get right on into it. My first, my overall thoughts on this project. For one, I am glad I went into this project with an open mind. I'm glad I went to it with an open mind. Like I said, I had high, I, I had high expectations, but that just coming from Trav having a great catalog of music and seeing well how he's going to try to one up himself this go around. But in terms of 
sound and everything. I kept the open mind. That really paid off, in my opinion. I had a few weekend listens. Of course, Friday, I want to say Friday, the majority of music I listened to came from this Utopia album. I listened a little bit on Saturday, of course, after the fight and everything. And I listened to it a little bit before I came in today to record. So I got a good grasp on how I feel about the project, and I feel comfortable on just telling y'all how I feel about the project. So let's get right on into it. I take this Utopia album as maybe the start of a transitioning period for Trav. I'm not not in terms of production or anything. It just I feel like he may think it's time to shake it up a little bit. And I had to go back and do a little research. It's been 10 years since he probably dropped Upper Echelon. And I think that's kind of the start of him catching his groove in the music business in terms of him being the artist. 10 years of Upper Echelon. From then, we got Days Before Rodeo, Rodeo, uh, Birds in the Trap, World, countless performances, features, kind of bringing in the new wave in terms of how artists make music in the a studio and everything, you hear a lot of his influence on artists still. I think he may just think it's time for a shift. And I take this album as him paying homage to start off with. And I say that because you hear a lot of, I hear personally, a lot of rodeo. I hear a lot of days before rodeo. And, of course, you hear people saying you hear a lot of Jesus influence, which I agree with. But even when you think about that, when Kanye was making Jesus, his videos, his Pictures and all that to back up what I'm saying. When Kanye was making Jesus, he brought in some new young guys who nobody ever heard of, really, for some new ideas. Because even Kanye was at that point was like, you know what, I'm going to come with something new. When Jesus first dropped, you had people like, Kanye, what is this? And, of course, that's when the whole thing of Kanye, oh, y'all don't get it. Y'all going to understand it 10 years from now. And fast forward, <laughs> we're seeing it 10 years from now. But when he was making Jesus, he brought in some new young guys Nobody ever heard of, including Travis Scott. It's all on interviews. A little research don't hurt. So I see this as him paying homage. Personally, for me, I didn't hear too many songs on this project that made me a fan of Travis in terms of the psychedelic, the ragey, the demon sounds even. Like, you don't hear a demon sound until track seven. And that's why I want to start with talking about this album. The first six songs, for me personally, was a roller coaster. I was like, okay, I see what you're doing, but let me at least make it to the part because he don't put the feature list on his projects on the streaming services. And that's another thing about brand loyalty. I really don't – I know he's going to have features, but I'm listening to it for Travis Scott. Like, the features don't make me listen to Travis Scott album. I'm listening to the album for Travis Scott. So by the time I listened to the project, the feature list was already out. So I was like, okay. The first six songs, when I got like the track four, I was like, let me at least make it a track seven to the Drake song. I saw the Drake feature. Then after the Drake feature, I saw the Playboy Cardi feature. After the Playboy Cardi feature, I saw Beyonce. Then I saw 21. So I was like, let me at least make it to this batch. And that's the thing about listening to full-length projects. You know it's a marathon. It's like, okay, 19 songs. I'm on track four. I really haven't heard nothing that got me going crazy yet because, like I said, I got high expectations. To start off Astro World, you started off with Stargazing. With this song, I mean, with this project, the uh, what's it called, Hyena? I was like, okay, clearly this is Jesus influenced. From the first beat drop, I hear Jesus. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna make it to, I'm gonna make it throughout the project. But these first six songs, uh, thank God, in my eyes, grew on me. 
within the first six. But overall, my first few listens, the first six, for me personally, it's not the Trav I run to. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, Trav been around since Jesus. He was helping on Jesus. So you got some people on his fan base who are familiar with that, who enjoyed that type of music. I'm just not one of them. You know what I'm saying? I go for the psychedelic, the the ragey, the demon sounds. I like. I feel like within the first six songs, I didn't even hear ad lib. And Trav is known for his ad lib. So I, I took that as more of him paying homage, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I'm paying homage to what I did back then, but the landscape of artists nowadays, a lot of them can't do that. Maybe just Trav and Kanye. Not too many artists can do what he did within the first six songs. So at the same time, it's not for me, but he's still showing he's different than the rest of the artists that's out nowadays. Like not too many artists can do what he did within the first six songs, even if I don't really enjoy it. But thank God and my eyes did grow on me. So let's get to what I enjoy about this album. Let's start with that. That's really the only like grip I got with this project, the first six songs. And the fact that Don Tolliver is not featured. But let's get to what I love about this project. Starting with track seven, Meltdown. And this may be a hot take. I wouldn't have been upset if I pressed play on this album. At the end of Sirens, when Drake and the girl had like the little interlude going into Meltdown, the girl was like, I thought we was going to Utopia. And Drake was like, yeah. I wouldn't have been upset if that might have been the intro for the album. Now, I know that sounds crazy. Like, why would you start the album like that? But I'm like, man, you got a catalog already. With Utopia, I'm not looking at Utopia as it has to be perfect from start to finish. And being that I didn't like the first six songs that much, and my I really didn't get into the groove of the album until Meltdown, me personally, I would love the album to start with the girl saying that and then Drake coming in. And then it sounds like Travis Scott compared to the first six records. He was like, uh, they think I'm satanic. I always keep me a reverend so I'm safe. And you hear the first ad lib of the album, I feel like. He did the little demon sound that crept in. I'm like, okay, they go a demon. <laughs> I said, they go a demon. Okay, I'm good now. So that's why I say the first six songs. Because uh, on track seven, a demon appeared. And I was like, okay, I'm here now. So Meltdown with Drake. I enjoy it. Of course, we got people talking about the whole Drake situation. Hey, they want to go back and forth. Drake, Pusher, Jim Jones, all of them. Hey, be my guest. As long as nobody getting hurt, nobody getting killed, I'm cool with a little lyrical exercise. We need something to pop out. So, I mean, that's going to get the headlines. But for me personally, Meltdown is where I started to get to the groove of the album. That's when the first demon appeared. So, I got comfortable. Then the next track. You already got one demon appeared on Meltdown. What better way to come back with the ultimate demon and Playboy Cardi with this Fiend record? The Fiend record was an early favorite for me. An early favorite. When I first heard it, I said, this is going to be one of my favorites. And that's track eight. So going from Meltdown to Fiend, I was already comfortable. I was like, okay. I made it through the tough start. And like I said, that was just me personally. Some people may love the first six. I made it through that tough first start. But when Meltdown came, I was like, okay. Then Fiend, right after that, I was like, all right, cool. The track with Beyonce, I'm not mad at. It's not really one of my favorites, but it's not like an automatic skip. I'm not mad at it. Like like I said before, with the first six, along with his Beyonce songs, not too many artists can do what he did on that. Not too many artists can have Beyonce in that type of bag, on that type of production, coming off a track featuring Playboy Cardi. 
I just don't see it. So the track with Beyonce, Del Resto, I'm not mad at it, but it's not one of my favorites. I like the I Know record, Topia Twins with Rod Fortnite and 21 Savage. Once again, I am so glad. It was about a month ago, I would say. I listened to the Rod Fortnite project he dropped. So I was familiar with him. So when he came in, unorthodox, Louisiana artists, I don't think get enough credit for their unorthodox style. I'm not going to say just New Orleans. I'm going to say Louisiana all around the board. So that unorthodox Louisiana, Rob 49, I knew exactly who he was. I like, okay, Rob 49, then 21 going to do what 21 do. 21 on features, it's kind of hard for him to miss. So, like I said, I'm going to keep on going back to the first six because when I say it was tough for me to get through, it was tough for me to get through. I'm being honest with y'all. So, going from track seven, Meltdown, okay. Fiend, okay. Beyonce, not my favorite, but at the same time, not mad at it. I know. A good calm down period. Topia Twins, turn it back up. Circus Maxima, I like it, but I think The weekend saved it. I think The weekend saved it. Circus Maxima, he started with going back to the first six songs with the Yeezus sounding sound, but then The weekend came in. I was like, whoa. <laughs> the weekend and Trav, when they get together, just them two, they chemistry, hey, you won't hear no complaints from me. So the weekend, in my opinion, kind of saved Circus Maximus. Paracel, I wasn't too crazy about. I see people like that schizo song with Thug. I don't think that last Trav, like I said, I don't really like Trav rapping like that. But some people enjoy it. But for me, I think it could have that song was a little bit too long for that last verse. If I think, if I think, yeah, that last verse, I was like, okay, probably could have dealt without it. But I see why he did it. Lost forever. Another feature, Westside Gun. I'm a Westside Gun fan, so just hearing Westside Gun on this project, I was happy with. On the Alchemist beat at that. Y'all know that's my lane, so I can't say too much about Lost Forever. I enjoy that song. Love, not too much. K-pop, that's a Bad Bunny song. The last two songs on the project, Telekinesis featuring Future and SZA. Let's just stop right there. Let's just stop. Let, let's stop. Telekinesis. Future Scissor. Why is this song the second to last song on the album? I would have definitely preferred to hear this song like number three or four. I did when I got to it, I was like, yo, you cannot. I mean, that's the 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 gift of having people listen to your full-length project. But that song is too good to have at the very, very end. And he does this. He did it with Astro World. Houston Fornication and all. Like, he does this. I'm like, fam, you need to put some of the songs that got that heat to it. And like I said, going back, the first six songs, yo, I would have loved to hear this song break up. Like, just separate that, you know what I'm saying? But Future, Scissor, Travis, I did not expect them three to make a song that good. Telekinesis, one of my favorites as well. That song should have been very, very early on in the album. And uh, the last track, Till Further Notice, with the 21 Savage feature, once again, 21 is kind of hard for him to miss on certain tracks, on the feature at that. So my thing is, with this project overall, the songs I like, the songs I like. Once again, the songs, undeniable for me. I got Meltdown featuring Drake, Fiend featuring Playboy Cardi. Those two back-to-back, that's when I woke up. Out of a 19-track album, Track seven and eight is when I woke up. Then from going to Fiend to Del uh, Resto with Beyonce, wasn't mad at it, but 
it could be a hit or miss depending on when I listen to it. I know I enjoy Topia Twins, Circus Maximus. I think The Weeknd saved that record for me. Uh, Lost Forever, West Side Gun feature probably saved it for me. K-pop, just because I like what Bad Bunny did on it, but it's kind of hard for me to say it's a Travis. It's a Travis Scott song, but I look at it more as a Bad Bunny song. I know people probably don't like it, but that's just me. Telekinesis with Future and Scissor, definitely one of the undeniable best songs on the project. Should have been earlier on the project. It should not have been track 18. That song is too good to have to save for the end of the project until further notice with 21. And that would really make me say, okay, I believe whenever Trav jump back out, I don't think it's no time soon. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get another Trav album until another three, four years, maybe another five, because... The, the touring for this project is going to be crazy. Definitely, I can see this going overseas. I see why he wanted to do the uh, show in Egypt. Shout out to my boy Michi. He brought this up on Instagram. He was like, I can see why he wanted to do a show in Egypt for this album. And that's why I go back to the first six songs. Like I said, it's not for me, but I clearly see the, how the Egypt and all that worked out. And he's saying he's going to do more shows in certain locations, I'm guessing, before he starts touring for this project. So... And even, like I said, with the first six songs, Thank God and My Eyes grew on me as well. But overall, I'm not mad at this project. It definitely takes some listening to. Like I said, this is not the project. I would say if you want to get licked on Travis, if you want to get hooked on Travis Scott, go to Utopia because to understand Utopia, you kind of got to know the start. That's why I really took I was like, yo, it's one thing to have an album come out. Let's say, for instance, you have an album, Utopia come out. It's the psychedelic, the ragey, the demon sounds. I love, of course, I'm going to like it. It's different the way you go to another sound, not another sound, but go back to the sound I'm really not a fan of. Make me sit through that sound just to get to what I kind of enjoy from you. And then when you get to the meltdown and you get to the fiend, I'm like, okay, it's sprinkled in there. That fiend is going to go crazy live. I don't think we ever saw Travis Scott and Playboy Cardi on the same stage. That fiend is going to go crazy live. So, overall, Trav, I mean, you got to salute him. You got to salute him. Like I said, the only knock I got on this album, no Don Tolliver. And the six songs to start, that just me. That just me. But I'm sure people are enjoying this album from front to back. Check it out if you haven't already. Check it out if you haven't already. This is a great album for people to say, oh, if you like this, you'll love Rodeo. If you like this, you'll love Days Before Rodeo. Not too much Birds in the Trap on here. Not too much Astro World on here. This is definitely old Travis Scott when he was linking up with Kanye as a kid, linking up with Kanye and Jay-Z for Watch the Throne. It reminds me of that trap more than uh, Birds in the Trap and Astro World. It goes back to the beginning. And as an artist, you got to commend him for doing that. You got to commend him for saying, oh, if you like this, don't go back to my last album. Go back to when I first came out. When I was the unknown guy, people didn't understand my sound at the time. And now my sound is the sound. Now that my sound is the sound, I done did 10 years of raging. Now I'm about to transition to another period where the rest of the field, not too many of y'all can do what I do. You know what I'm saying? So I got to salute Trash, salute to his team. I might, depending on, like I said last week with these concerts, the prices and everything, I'm going to see what he does touring-wise because I got to see that Fiend live. I got to see Fiend live, man. That's the one. That's the one. Like, when I say 
I'm a. That's the main point I want y'all to get from this breakdown of Utopia. This small breakdown I, I did of Utopia. Just know, the first six songs, I was like, okay, what's going on? Track seven and eight, I was like, okay, this is what I've been waiting on. And then from there, it's kind of what you prefer. Like I said, Schizo, I would have been fine with not having that last verse. The Beyonce track, Hit or Miss. Parasail, I, I, I could have did without. Parasail, it was him trying to get into that vibey, that psychedelic world I talk about with him, but Astro Thunder is the pinnacle. Skeletus is the pinnacle for that psychedelic world for me to smoke some, drink some, pop one. If you're not going to go in that lane with the psychedelic, Parasail does not even come close, in my opinion, to those records. But first six, hey, I'm going to pay homage to what got me here. If you like it, check out the rodeo, check out the Yeezus. He was around during that time period. So Trav continue to break himself away from the pack. This is what I mean, break yourself away from the pack. Show people, hey, I got a lot of tricks in this bag that a lot of people can't do. So once again, shout out to everybody who featured on this project, the producers. Very, very solid project in my opinion. Um, out of 19, I got a cool 10-11. I got a cool 10-11. So shout out to Trav, Utopia. If you haven't already, check it out. And to finish this episode off, we got WWE SummerSlam coming this Saturday. Going to get my predictions on that. The landscape been pretty much the same, I believe, since Money in the Bank. You got some people getting some pushes. Some people, they teasing a push. And some people, they still, the people who are in the mix are not even on the card at the moment. But to start things off, they did announce a battle royal is going to happen. So I figure the people who you've seen around but not on the card, they will be included in this battle royal match. I'm sure it's going to be Raw and SmackDown, maybe NXT people as well. But to announce this battle royal on SmackDown, it was a L.A. Knight and Sheamus promo in the office. And the thing about it, L.A. Knight is somebody the fans are getting behind. He's probably one of the more popular superstars right now. They say his merchandise is selling crazy. I think like four shirts are in the top ten or something like that right now, if I'm not mistaken. So fans want to see him get that push, but they're just not doing it yet because people thought a couple weeks ago he was going to be in contention for the U.S. title, but that's not the case. And I take it for one. Like I said, at WrestleMania, they was chanting his name out. You can see it on television. They happen when he come out to do a promo or a match or anything. But I just feel like they haven't shown enough him in ring to get that push. And what better way to announce Friday is going to be him and, him and Sheamus are going to have a match on SmackDown. What better way to see if you're ready to go one-on-one against Sheamus? Like, yeah, triple threat matches, fatal four-way, six-man six elimination matches. That's one thing. But when you go one-on-one with Sheamus, this is going to be the test to see if L.A. Knight ready. Clearly, promo-wise, fan base-wise, is there, but in-ring is one thing. You know what I'm saying? In-ring is one thing. So, we'll see. A lot of fans are worried that he's going to be placed in the same position that Zack Ryder was and Dolph Ziggler where, yeah, we know y'all enjoy this person. We're going to push him late just to shut y'all up. Then we're going to have him start losing. So, at the time, that's really the energy I see now around L.A. Knight. The fans love him, but they feel like the company is just going to say, okay, here y'all go down. Be quiet. 
then have them start losing again. So, in my opinion, I'm a fan of L.A. Knight. My boy Zoe and Price told me they don't see it in him yet. What better way to see if he's ready to go one-on-one with Sheamus? If he show out well against Sheamus, win or lose, I think he's going to get it. But if we don't see it in that match, then I don't know what's going to happen. He got to have a great performance against Sheamus to get that push, I feel like. So, we'll see how it goes. But I do have whoever wins that match going to win the Battle Royal because I think they was like whoever wins going to have a great position in the Battle Royal or something like that. So, either L.A. Knight or Sheamus. I'm going to go with L.A. Knight just, just to have, you know what I'm saying, stay on put with him getting that push. Next up, we got Ronda Rousey versus Shayna Baszler. They was a tag team. They were the tag team champions at one point. Like I said, that whole tag team division, the women's, is in disarray right now. Uh, but they broke them up. I feel like just to have more competition for Rhea, I'd like to see Shayna win this match because I feel like she'll be a great opponent for Rhea down the line. So I'm not mad at them breaking up Ronda and Shayna because I see Shayna definitely more as a solo competitor. I mean, she was dominant at her time in NXT. So have Shayna win this match. And further down the line, let's get Shayna versus Rhea. Also, we got Logan Paul versus Ricochet. I got Logan Paul winning this match. I got Logan Paul winning this match. He has great performances within the past few events. WrestleMania against Seth Rollins, Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank. But they all been in losing efforts. I feel like to keep keep him legit, if you want to say, you got to have him win a match. You know what I'm saying? Have him win a match, and I think he's going to beat Ricochet. It's going to be a very, very exciting match. A lot of spots. Very, very exciting match. I'm looking forward to it. But I think Logan Paul is going to get the victory with that. Next match, we got Gunther versus Drew McIntyre for the Intercontinental title. I think this is going to steal the show. Gunther is known for stealing the show. He might be, if uh, Shawn Michaels want to lend that showstopper nickname, I think Gunther might be <laughs> Gunther might be the next person in line because Gunther will steal the show with his matches. It's going to be a great match. My thing about Gunther, at the time, He's held the belt now for over 400 days. Great title defense. It's not like he's just walking around with the belt. He's been defending the title and everything. But like I said, in terms of the undisputed title pitcher reign, pitcher, I'm sorry, Gunther is at the top of my list to win one of the big dog belts very soon. So I think he's going to get through Drew McIntyre with SummerSlam. But I think around Survivor Series, Royal Rumble time, they may try to put Gunther in that position for one of the big dog belts, maybe a Royal Rumble victory or something like that. So, But at the same time, I'm not saying he, gonna, he can drop the belt because I go back to the Ultimate Warrior Theory. You can have the guy with the Intercontinental belt face the guy with the World Heavyweight Champion, have him have both titles. But we'll see. But Gunther, Drew McIntyre might be the show stealer in my opinion. But I got Gunther coming out on top with that. Next up, we got the SmackDown's women's title, triple threat match. We got Oscar versus Bianca versus Charlotte Flair. Another situation where when it comes to creative and everything, I just don't see it. You have a triple threat match, but the storyline is more about the other other two competitors than it is the women's champion. It's been more about Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair, who are two great, you know what I'm saying, women competitors. I'm not mad at it, but I feel like Oscar is going to sneak away with this victory. Of course, you got EO Sky lurking around with the women's money in the bank briefcase. I still want to see Oscar versus EO Sky. That's just me. I'm, my mind is set on having Oscar versus E.O. Scott, so I think Oscar is going to come away with that victory in the triple threat match. Next up, we got Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar in the rubber match. 
They've each won one match against each other. Brock Lesnar shows up at SummerSlam. Like, how you got Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and John Cena who perform well on certain stages. SummerSlam is Brock Lesnar's stage. So, I wouldn't be surprised if Brock Lesnar, matter of fact, I'm going to say Brock Lesnar wins just so you can have Cody pick up momentum later on down at Royal Rumble or Survivor Series. Same, kind of in the same boat as Gunther. Kind of in the same boat as Gunther. I think you just need to wait, have Cody lose this match, then pick up steam later on in the year heading into the Royal Rumble and eventually maybe WrestleMania if that's the route they want to take. But Brock Lesnar shows up. If Cody does win, it's not going to be an easy win. It may get a little bloody. He may start limping out. Brock Lesnar been teasing, breaking his arm, something like that. Hey, it can get interesting. But I got Brock Lesnar winning. It might not be the popular prediction, but Brock Lesnar shows up at SummerSlam. So I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar in that match. Next match, we got Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor for the World Heavyweight title. I got Finn Balor winning, but I'm going to talk. This is what I want to talk about the Judgment Day. I got Finn Balor beating Seth Rollins. Kind of odd because Seth Rollins just beat him at Money in the Bank. And now you're doing this whole, oh, I want a rematch. You beat me seven years ago. It's like, fam, we get it. So, obviously, I think Finn Balor is going to win this match, just the way they're setting it up. But this Judgment Day push, that's been my thing for the past two, three weeks. This obvious push they're doing for Judgment Day is word that after the Bloodline story, they want the Judgment Day storyline to be that next big storyline in the company. And I just don't see it. I think it could be presented a lot better. And it's just not believable to come right after the Bloodline storyline, in my opinion. For one, Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Let's say Finn Balor do beat Seth Rollins. So now, obviously, the storyline may be, well, is Damian Priest going to cash in on Finn? Because he's not going to cash in on Roman Reigns or Jay Uso, I don't feel. Why would you have him go to SmackDown when the Judgment Day is on Raw? That's one thing. I don't think he's going to cash in on the NST champion, Melo. I don't think he's going to cash in on Austin Theory. Or he might, well, if he want to throw a curveball in it, like I said with Gunther, if you want the, him to cash in on Gunther, but that kind of defeats the purpose of having the briefcase to cash in on the secondary title. So, obviously, the storyline is going to be, well, will he cash in on Finn? I think that's going to get kind of old kind of quick. Like, people were saying the whole thing with Evolution back in the day. But I'm like, fam, y'all got to realize, and this being a fan of wrestling. I'm not a wrestling historian. I just know a lot of wrestling. I'm not going to put historian. But y'all got to go back and watch some of that stuff from back in the day that we try to bring up in reference nowadays. That Evolution breakup didn't make no sense. Why would you have Randy Orton beat Chris Benoit after Chris Benoit just won at WrestleMania? He lost it at that SummerSlam. And then be like, well, Randy Orton wasn't ready. He was cocky, backstage antics and everything. But why would you give him the belt anyway? So you got him the belt. You realize he just wasn't mature enough to be the world champion yet. Then you have Triple H turn on him. So Randy Orton was out of evolution. The Batista thing I'm not mad at. The Batista thing I wasn't mad at because clearly it was on the three of them left. Um, Batista won the Royal Rumble in scandalous fashion, if you want to say but it just wasn't set up to where it made perfect sense with Evolution, the whole breakup of Evolution. And Judgment Day doesn't have nearly, I think, as much prestige as Evolution had, in my opinion. Finn Balor, if he wins the belt, you got to get him a 
a respectable title run. Damian Priest has gotten better. But the thing with Dominic going to NXT, I'm not mad at him in NXT, but you're giving him the belt, the North American title. It's overshadowing Melo, who's the NXT champion. You got <laughs> – you, you sent Dom to NXT, but he's on Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. Rhea just been holding the belt since WrestleMania. Oh, well, she beat Natalia. Natalia ain't been popping since – Nexus was around back in 07, 08 or something like that, <laughs> 09. So it was like, I just don't see it yet. And the push is kind of forced. It's kind of forced. Y'all saying, well, Dom, he's getting booed. I'm booing him because he's trash. Send him to NXT. He needs some development. Come on, y'all. He's winning matches. I understand he's winning matches with outside help. Let the man win a match on his own at least before he get a belt. And what goes, what what happened to the whole, well, like I said, back to money in the bank. People want the L.A. Knight to win. I would have been cool if Damian Priest would have lost money in the bank. Him and Dominic went for the tag titles. So then it could be like the Brit Brother role and all that. I would have been cool with that because he got somebody next to him who obviously the muscle in the situation. But this Judgment Day thing, I think with Rhea, they trying to do the Raquel and Rhea. Like I said, Raw Women's, the division, it's kind of slacking right now. They need some competitors for real. But I just feel like they putting the they putting the belts on uh, Judgment Day just because they've been around. Oh, they've been together for a while. Let's put the belts on them. Dom's getting booed, but people are booing Dom because we see the obvious play. It's damn near like how Roman Reigns was back in the day. We see the obvious thing y'all doing. Of course we're going to boo him. Of course we're going to boo him. He's trying to cover somebody. He's not even in a position to – Get the proper count. The referee saying, hey, he got to be over here. Come on, man. Come on. But it's the wrestling world. Some things I agree with. Some things I don't. This Judgment Day, if they're going to do the Judgment Day storyline, let the Bloodline storyline cool off. You cannot go from this cinematic storyline with the Bloodline, who's actually family-related, then go to this Judgment Day where it's just you're putting people together you don't know what to do with. Of course, Rhea got the belt, but she hasn't showed much of her title reign. Damien Priest with the briefcase, who he's going to cash in on. If you give the belt to Finn, now that's going to be the top storyline with the Judgment Day. Dom and NST, Raw and SmackDown. What's the point of even having the draft a couple months ago if you're just going to do that? Just don't have the draft then. Just let it, have, let it be a free-for-all. How about that? So this Judgment Day thing, people in wrestling is kind of like a – a line people agreeing with it. Some people saying it's the best thing going. Me personally, I'm not I'm not linked in yet. I'm not hooked yet. And, you know, they can turn the table. That's the best thing about wrestling. They can make me believe it. Be like, oh, well, I was wrong. It, it worked out. Like how Sami Zayn was the bloodline. They can make it work. But at the time, I'm just not riding with it. But uh, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, I got Finn Balor winning. And uh, Roman Reigns, Jay Uso, Tribal Combat. If it's any other time to take it off of Roman, it's been Jay Uso. People have been saying that for the past few months. I just don't think they have any plans. If Jay were to win, I don't think they have any plans with him. Jimmy's out for the time being. I'm not sure how long Jimmy Uso is out. That's another thing that plays a role, but I don't think they have any. If he were to win, I don't think they have any plans for Jay Uso as undisputed champion. That's the only thing. That's the thing coming from a tag team is – Kind of hard to break away, like Edge did it, Christian. Some people have been able to do it throughout the time. But, like, we saw it with Edge and Christian. We kind of saw it with Jeff and Matt. But 
You go back to the Dudley boys. It's like they tried it. It really didn't work. Not in WWE. You know what I'm saying? So even with a New Day, like New Day happened, but they didn't really have any plans for Kofi like that. They really had. They really didn't have any plans for Big E like that. So I don't think they have any plans for Jay if he were to win. So they're just gonna have Roman win. It's gonna be a great match, emotional match. Um, with Solo turn, because I feel like now it's a great time to have Solo pop out. Maybe have Solo versus Roman eventually. Why we never get like Jay versus Solo? Like, why we never got that? Even with Judgment Day, why we never get, like, Judgment Day, Foe Man, uh, Tad Match, have Judgment Day and have three men and another woman face? Why we don't get those no more? Six-man tags. Like, why we don't get that as often like we used to? But uh, I got Roman Reigns beating Jey Uso. So my predictions for SummerSlam, the Battle Royal, I have LA Knight winning. Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, I have Shayna Baszler winning. Logan Paul, Ricochet, I got Logan Paul. Gunther, Drew McIntyre, I got Gunther. Oscar, Bianca Belair, and Charlotte Flair, I got Oscar winning. Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar, I got Brock. Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, I got Finn. And the main event, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, I got Roman Reigns winning that match as well. So this has been episode 221, Stash House Podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in. Go have a great work week. Kids going back to school very, very soon. So parents get ready for that. Hope everybody had a safe week, a safe weekend. Continue to do the same. Keep me in your prayers. I'll do the same for y'all. Salute. Thank you.